0: Father, we thank you because you promised it in your word that you were going to make a people who, are, who did not know you, who were not your people, you were going to bring them into the covenant, Lord. And we had no business being in relationship with you. We were broken and destitute and lost, and we were deserving of death, hell, and the grave. Our sins had condemned us. There was no reason for you to draw us into a relationship with you. You had nothing but your love to show. And Father, I pray as brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of you, Father, that here today that we wouldn't just hear that word love and it be something remembered in a sermon or on a track that was passed to us or something that someone said Jesus loves you, but that we would know this love. That it wouldn't be something that just sits in our head knowledge, but it would encompass us, it would purify us, it would sanctify us, Lord, that your love would truly transform us day after day where your mercies are new every morning and we go from glory to glory, which is more of Christ and more of Christ. Father, would you do it in our lives? Do it in our lives, Lord. And we thank you, Father, that this prayer is not our own. But it's the very prayer that our Lord told us to pray. That you are God, you are in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed, holy, righteous, and true be thy name. We want your kingdom to come. We don't want our own kingdom. We want your kingdom. We don't want our own will. We want your will. We want your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven where it's perfect. We don't come here today hungry for food, but we come hungry for the truth, the word of the living God. We do not live on bread alone. Those words don't just belong to Jesus. He gave them to us. We don't live on bread alone, but every word. And Father, would you forgive us of our transgressions, our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us, Lord. And we know that you don't tempt no man. So you will not lead us into temptation. And you have already delivered us from the evil one through your son. And so we glorify your name because these are words that last forever because you are a forever God. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Is it hot? It's a little warm out here today. I was thinking to myself, how are we going to get through June? Lord, you better give us a building. My God. There's something about pure worship. It's um, oftentimes, you know, especially in, in our, early in our walk, right? We, we sing and, and we're so focused on what's happening that we can't see what's happening. We're so focused on the people next to us or the words we're saying or even how God is filling us in that moment, how our lives are being transformed in that moment, and we're so encompassed mm-hmm. in that moment that we don't see what's really happening. You know, we're engaging in something that was happening before we got here. Something the psalmist knew, he said, that the Lord directs my steps. He said, before a word is on my tongue, in Psalm 139, you know each and every one. Think about that. It's not that just God understands like we understand where we have science and we then figure out the anatomy and we can call something a brain and we identify it, right? It's not like now that I know what a brain is, I know what a brain is, right? But he knows what you're going to say before you say it. Every word, from blasphemous words to words that praise him. And this is why in the book of James it talks about that. Out of the same mouth comes cursings and blessings. Because in the flesh, there is no blessing from the flesh. The flesh is cursing God all all day long, blasphemous. The flesh wants nothing to do with God. Amen. Amen. Would you agree with that? If not, we don't need Christ if there's anything good in it. But there's nothing good in it. But also in the spirit, we have the Lord giving us petitions. We have the spirit of God stirring in us like it says in the book of Romans. We don't even know what we ought to pray, but the spirit stirs with moanings and groanings. There's this communication happening before we ever feel it, brothers and sisters. Before you ever step into the presence of God, the presence of God is already there. God's presence doesn't move from place to place. His presence is. This is why when he would say, tell them I am that I am sent you. It's, he's here, amen. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for a God who stays constant, sure, secure, is certain of what he's doing when I'm not. When I'm not certain. When we're not sure, you know, because we walk in a lot of confidence when we know something. But the moment you realize that thing that you know is falling apart on you, you go, okay, now I need God. Like your body. Real confident when we're young, like Isaac, in his 20s, goes into the gym, throws everything around, right? But when that body starts breaking down, it gets sick, it becomes, let me just say it this way, it shows its true nature, which is falling or fading which is its true nature, not health and wealth, right? But that it is, it is frail and in desperate need of God. God's lifeblood, God's word, amen? When we get older, we're like, oh, I realize I need him. It's my hips going out. <laughs> had, literally yesterday, I was sitting at home and we had a barbecue and I was sitting and all of a sudden, my hips are just aching. I'm like, no, (laughs) I'm getting old because your body is fading. But the word of the Lord never fades. The promises of God are yes and amen. They always come through. He does not break his promise. Amen. And so I woke up this morning certain I was going to preach one of two messages, which I will preach them, but just not today. The first one was out of uh, Daniel 3. I was going to preach a continuation of dependency on God and the obedience of of Christ and how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go into the furnace, all this, but I was going to preach from the angle of Nebuchadnezzar because oftentimes we like to depict the story and we insert ourselves with the good character. We like to throw ourselves in there with Jesus when we want to, right? We don't like to see that we're the young rich ruler. We don't like to see that we're the ones that pinned him to the cross or we're the ones that stoned Stephen or we're the ones that wanted the prostitute stoned, right? We, we we're not we don't want to talk about the liar and the cheater and the, how we were that. And so when we read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we don't want to see ourselves as Nebuchadnezzar building a golden object, whatever it was, doesn't really matter, and telling everybody to bow to it. And we don't want to say that that's us, that when we walk around in our relationships, we try to force people to bow to our ideas. We don't, we don't like that because we don't want to be seen as, as, as that. But everybody has a Nebuchadnezzar in their heart everybody. So I'm going to come back around to that. Then I said, okay, maybe I need to do a refresher. And I felt the Lord stir me to do a refresher on how we're no good. Because you know, that always gives a good dose to the flesh, right? We're no good. Without Christ, can we do anything good? If the answer is yes, then we don't need Jesus because that means we can earn it. And I was talking to uh, Jeff the other day, we were fellowshipping after a workout and we got to talking about losing salvation. Well, can you gain it? Are you able to earn it? It's funny that we think we, can, we can't we can earn it, but we sure can lose it. Well, no, because if God truly draws you into a relationship with him, you didn't earn it through Christ, and he says he will keep you into the day of judgment. So what people have a hard time with is they don't know that this God who drew you into relationship has the power to keep you. And let me show you. I'm just going to read it so you don't think I'm crazy. So I know somebody's going, man, come on, man. Messing up, ruffling feathers. Jude, there's only one chapter, verse 24, and this is our, this is kind of what we end our services with often. It's a prayer. It says, "Now all glory to God who is able to keep you." Say, "Keep me," because you, who's able to keep you, the Lord, who's able to keep you from falling away. Do you need any other promise? You know, it's better to know that God can keep you, because you sure cannot keep you. Because if that's the case, the moment you accepted Jesus and sinned, you have no chance. You're like on this teeter-totter, like you don't know if you're going to die in sin or out of sin. God is way more secure than that. God is way more secure than that. Christ is way more powerful than that. He goes beyond our way of thinking. And he says, from falling away and will, say will. Will. Because that means it's going to happen. Does God lie? And will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. On this side of heaven, you're already at fault. On that side of heaven, no faults. But it is only God that can keep us. And I would, I would never, I, I just I'm just saying, you ready for this? I'm just saying, because even Jesus didn't keep himself, he did the will of God. He 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 actually learned obedience through suffering. He did not want to suffer. Do you see that? But it was the will of God. So just as you cannot earn it, you cannot keep it, everything belongs to God. And yes, that strips your will completely out of your hands. It takes you and who you think you are and goes from the three-point line, right? And it says, get it out of here because the only will that matters is the will of God. And um, right now the room is is split. You're going to have split fillings even maybe at 2 o'clock today. You're going to think about this again. But it's going to be split because that's how stubborn the flesh is. Does the Spirit of God resist God? Would the Spirit of God ever say that God can't keep something? No, it's going to speak the very will of God through Christ. And it's that God has the power to save. God has the power to redeem. It is not by your prayer. It is not by your might. It is not by your will. It is only by the Lord, by His Spirit. Very important. I just felt led to share that because I was thinking, man, I got to go down this path of no good. Lord, I know that you're saying... These messages you want spoken, but what do you want me to really teach on? So last night I went to bed. I was like, "There's a Nebuchadnezzar in everybody's heart. I'm going to preach on that." And I woke up this morning, and just like the Spirit of God always does, He takes what you want to do completely out of your hands, and then He says, "Here's what I want you to do." And He, right immediately, I woke up right around 5:30, and immediately the Spirit of the Lord said, "Ephesians 4." So go to Ephesians 4, and He said, Re- "Remind them of what it means to walk in the Spirit." I was talking with somebody um, the other day, and they were like, well, how do you stay in the Spirit all the time? <laughs> Just take a second and think about that question. If you could stay in the Spirit, you, you wouldn't need God. But the truth of the matter is you can't stay in the Spirit. The Spirit is in the Spirit. It's the Spirit. It's not you. It's not like you have this pass and you can walk in and out when you want. It doesn't work that way. The spirit never goes anywhere. It's always attached to Christ, always attached to the Father, and that's it. Either you are called and drawn and filled with the spirit and the spirit's doing its work in your life or you're or it's not. Because if you don't have that warfare inside of you, that means you have you don't have the spirit in you. Right? But you got that warfare inside of you because the spirit dwells there. Would you would you agree with that? That before the spirit of God came, you had no idea what sin was. You didn't know. Maybe you had a, like, you can think back and go, yeah, I knew what was right and wrong, but you didn't know what your sinful nature was, right? Amen. So before we get into Ephesians 4, I'm just gonna rephrase uh, or remind us of Galatians 5. And I wanna read it. It says this Galatians 5, starting in 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That word let is not that you have this key and you're like resisting God, right? And as long as you resist God, it's not going to work in your life. It doesn't work that way. When the spirit of God subdues you, there's this there's this surrender, right? It's kind of like when you play a game of mercy with somebody who's stronger than you. There comes a point when you fatigue and all your resistance, and all you can do is give way, right? And what do you say? Mercy. Nobody's played that game before. Am I too getting old? Kids don't do that no more. What do they do? Uncle. Say uncle. Okay, we'll do that. But that's what it's like with God. At some point, you wrestle with God and you fatigue and you get to a point where you, ha- you just got to let it happen because he's not going to let you go. Amen. So you better be gracious to those that don't understand this because God has shown you mercy. They don't understand it. You do, right? So you need to walk graciously because the letting you do is not the same as somebody else in the world. When they let you borrow their car, right, it's because it's your car. When you let the Holy Spirit, it's because you're tired. Because you're done doing things your own way. It's it's always at the place of surrender. Surrender is it. And that's not something you you even want to do, do you? Oftentimes when God asks you, you don't want to surrender. But surrender is the power of God in your life. Because it takes you completely out of the equation. So let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So even right now, you might have been freed from everything. You might have been freed from drugs. You might have been freed from lust, sleeping around, whatever. You might have been freed from gambling. You might have been freed from um, idolizing yourself, free from whatever. It's still in your nature. Right now in your flesh is every sinful deed, everything, and the Spirit when it comes, when when it's guiding you, then you won't be doing. See, so there's this new nature, right? So the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So these desires that people at times, and I'm going to admit that I've been guilty of this, but at times we sit in church and we get a feeling that's good and we see the goodness of God and then we claim it as our own feeling. No, your feelings are wicked. It'll even take the holiness of God and make it self-righteous, make you look good in the name of Jesus. That's what you'll do. But But when you have that, oh my God, revelation, you ever get that? whoa, that wasn't you. That was not you. So for you to go and share it in a way with somebody else as if somehow you did it, no, the Lord revealed something to you and he can reveal it to them and them and them. And that should be the attitude. I didn't give myself wisdom. I didn't give myself good desires. God gives me godly desires. Godly desires are different than just what the world calls good. Because godly desires will have you sell your house and give everything to the church. You see that in the book of Acts. Godly desires will have you quit your job and move to China. You see that even with um, uh, uh, Francis Chan recently moving. On his on his move, man, God bless him, he finds out COVID-19. And where's the start? In China. But yet he already had packed his bags. He was ready to go. Did he stay? He moved anyway because it was a desire from God, Right? <laughs> Bezelbub, <laughs> because it's a desire from God. So, can we just before we get into this, and before I start shredding our flesh to pieces, right? And the Spirit of God starts building up in us what we want us, what He wants us to see. Can we just agree right now that we are no good, that our thoughts outside of God are evil, the desires are evil, but in Christ we're given the righteousness of God, we're given peace and patience and fortitude and clarity, all these things that come with walking with God. And when we walk in them, we—it it is not us that's doing it. It, it is Philippians 2.13. It is God that worketh in us, giving us the power and the desire to do what pleases him, right? It is not us. So I'm taking time this morning to break this down before I read this chapter because We've come in here driving our cars, putting on our clothes. We, we come in here ready to do what we think church is, and we take credit all along the way when truly it's by God's mercy and his mercy alone that you're here. You, that he gave you another step, another breath, anything. And I want to put that in full perspective, not so you can have another day on earth, but with that day that you might glorify the Lord. Yeah. This is not about us. This is not about me being a Christian. This is not about me being godly. It's about God making me godly, totally different. Those are two different views. We're splitting hairs, but they're different. For me to walk around as a son and, and some type of arrogance or pride is wrong. But for me to walk in humility, realizing that sonship was a gift, I can't take credit. I didn't do anything to earn it. And nothing I do from here on out is validating me earning anything. It's just glorifying God because he's good. Is this making sense? So I just, we have to break it down because I'm telling you, there's a whole nother message out there telling you you're something you're not. There's a whole nother message out there telling you to pursue something you shouldn't. To live for something that's dying. To call God. And, and who he is to insert him into some formula and then act as if we can just dish him out. No, we come to God because he draws us to himself. Nobody comes to God because they can just walk in. Amen. Come on, somebody, you need to There's a reason why I'm taking time because that's how stubborn the flesh is. Yes. It wants to leave this little patio, right, and go back to its domain in its cave and say oh 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 channel 15 channel I mean, it just wants to dominate and the lord is saying no are you listening is the spirit speaking not from man but is the spirit speaking and if you are truly full of the spirit you're going to understand this message today and it's going to add to your life and take away from you because the truth should always prove what doesn't belong and graft in Christ. Amen? Amen. Christ. Do you feel like that was like round one, right? One minute break? We should just take, ding, where's the buzzer? Like, so Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. So there's the proof. You have not been called by yourself. So just a a quick uh, earthly example. If you get hired, and let's say Papa is my boss. I get hired. I go to the place that he has hired me to, the, the job. Let's say it's carpentry. I become an apprentice. Would I ever treat what's his as if it was mine? listen to what I just said, will I ever treat what's his as if it was mine? Absolutely not. I'll always have a certain level of respect and reverence for what's his. Amen. But in the faith, we call ourselves Christians and we glorify that title as greater than Christ. And we take what is God's and we try to own it. For We treat it like it's ours. That's why when we're walking through a supermarket, we're not sensitive to, say, to hear the Lord say, don't speak to anyone. But we try to look for every opportunity to speak to everyone. But we see very clearly in the scriptures, it's clear. Jesus said, when he sent out the two by two, the 72, he said, don't speak to anyone along the way. So there are certain times that you should speak and there's certain times that you're not. That's not the point, that if you're walking in the Spirit He'll tell you when and when not to. And that's the key. We don't just utilize prayer because we think we can pray. Then we pray amiss. I'm, I'm speaking to somebody right now. I'm, I'm kind of off of what I originally was going to talk about. I'm speaking to somebody. We don't just pray because we could pray. We pray because we're it's in response to God. We don't move the hand of God. God's Hand moves us, and so we have to be in a place of constant. Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Somebody said one time, God would never tell you what toothpaste aisle to walk down. So sure, He would. He'd tell you to go left instead of right. Sure, He would. And to think that He wouldn't, what kind of God are you serving? Right? You're just doing everything on on impulse, like it's in the name of the Lord, and people do it. But You didn't call you. You can't take the calling of God. And treat it like it belongs to you. Let me say that again. You can't take the calling of God and treat it like it belongs to you. You hear people say that. What's my calling? And they want to treat it like it's theirs. Like now I can go preach because I have the ability to talk good? Get out of here. No. Preaching don't belong to us. The word of God is not It's not ours. We don't own it. Our life isn't ours. We are called by God. Amen. Always be humble. Can you do that? Only the Spirit can humble us. And what's the Scripture say? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who did not count it robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself. So if humility is attached to Christ, and he says, let that mind be in you, is it your mind that keeps you humble? No, we're humble because Christ is humble. It says, always be humble and gentle. Why? Because gentleness is a fruit of the spirit. You can't be gentle. You ain't gentle. Hey, honestly, in the flesh, you be gentle with the tri-tip. I know you be gentle with the tri-tip. Nice and easy, right? Something that benefits you. But will you be gentle when you're hated? When someone laughs at you or mocks you or rejects you? The spirit is gentle at all times. Look at the word. Be patient with each other. Some of us fought on the way here, fought last night, fought yesterday right? Somebody, some of us are going to fight later today, and we're just not going to have that patience that is produced in the Spirit. But I promise you this, if you recognize how wicked you are, the Spirit of God will subdue you, and then the Spirit's patience will come through you, and you won't count that as if you owned it, but you'll give all the glory to God. Making allowance for each other's faults, this is so huge, because what? Of your love. So make every effort to keep yourselves united in the what? Spirit. So important. So important that we are united in the spirit. Many people agree over things that don't matter, like I really like Hillsong, or nah, I really like elevation worship. That's that's what I No, I like Phil Wickham. That's what I like. No, I like rap music. I like that. Like we people unite over things like, by the way, if you don't unite over those bacon maple donuts, we got a problem. Just saying because they're fantastic but we do. We, we unite over things that don't matter. With God, the Spirit is what unites us. It's not Pathway Family Church. I say it all the time. Put it on a banner and burn it. It means nothing without Christ, right? But the Spirit is what unites us, you know, and also, and I feel like I need to bring this up as a reminder too. If the Spirit is what unites us, the Spirit, then it's not denomination. I spent 18 years in the denomination, But the denomination divided me from other denominations, right? Because that's what denominations do. They divide and have certain sets of bylaws, which there can be a sense of unity because you showed up at the Save More Center whenever the concert came in town or whatever happened, and you had a sense of unity. But the true unity is in the Spirit. It's not in the things that are here. The true unity is in the Spirit. So when people say, they've asked me for the last two years, so what denomination are you? It's a funny question because you never see it written. You don't see them, no, and Peter was asked, what denomination are you? (laughs) It was like they were known as the people who followed the way. They were known as people who followed Christ. Your identity should be that. No matter where you belong or what you're doing, your identity is Christ. Christ, right? So when people say, what denomination are you? I said, you know, um, it's hard to answer that because it's, it's, it puts denomination as a standard where only the Spirit is the standard. The kingdom of God is the standard. The real question is, are you in the kingdom of God? Is the kingdom of God among you? That's the real question. Is the Spirit what's uniting us, brother? And that should be the, the real introduction, like, hey, man, you got the Spirit? That should be the real introduction. You want to know why that's so important? Because then you won't outcast the prostitute. Because they might have gotten the spirit the day before, but still look like they've been living in the trap. Right? The brother, the, This brother might have come up in an expensive three-piece suit, but you don't know that he just gave everything away the day before. That's why the spirit has to be the unity. It can't be what you're seeing and, and what we know. He says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. How do we do that? How do we make every effort to say, united in the spirit? We die to the flesh. My goodness, it's such an easy principle, but that's the truth. There's not a three-step program that gets you in the spirit. Either God's drawn you, you're in the spirit and now you're overcoming this nasty flesh, or you're not. And either that's the language that's happening in your life and it's not saying, "Oh, look at what she did. Look at what he did." No, every time you see somebody do something evil, you go, "That's me without Christ. That's me without Christ. Thank you, Lord, for keeping me." And that'll keep you from yeah 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 That'll keep you from judging when you should not judge, amen? It'll keep you in unity with the Spirit because the Spirit of God is not sitting back looking at a fallen world and saying, look at how how lost they are. The Spirit doesn't talk that way. The Spirit's praying for the lost people. The Spirit doesn't talk to the person who just offended you and go, yep, stand right by you. Yep, man, they're messed up, huh? Messed up. Can you believe that? The Spirit goes, pray for them. Matter of fact, pray a blessing. Pray that God bless them. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord. He says, pray that God bless them. And we say, well, how do you pray a blessing? How? That they would find Jesus. It's the only blessing that matters. It, food and clothing, it does nothing, right? But Lord, would you show them what you've shown me? Would you give them what you've given me? Would you free them like you freed me? That's the only blessing that really matters. Amen? Here we go. I know I'm, I, we're only on verse 3, but we're going to get through this. For there is one body, say one body, one and one spirit, one spirit. Just as you have been called to the, on a glorious hope for the future. Look at this. It says there is one Lord. Say one Lord. One, Lord. one, faith, one faith. One baptism. One, baptism. one, God, one God. And Father of, all. Father of all. It says that he's overall. He's through all and he's in all. He's living through all. So he's in all and he's living through all. So he's over all, he's in all, and he's living through all. So I said in the very beginning, I said, it's not like the presence of God, like you, you felt it and there it was. Like now you knew it was there. No, he's everywhere. In, he's in your thoughts, like moving stuff around, trying to get you to see, it. like God is working, Amen. He's here. He's within us. So important. And when you just take time to really think about that, it kind of, it's like the world and everything it's, it's doing, it just fades, you know? It's like, like my garden can wait, you know? <laughs> Breakfast can wait, food can wait. You know, that appointment I had can wait because God's here. And I don't want to go anywhere without the awareness Man, I really feel the presence of God. I don't know who who's this, this is piercing right now, boy, but I am feeling the Lord. And it's like this. If you have the awareness, if the Spirit of God is in you, you have the awareness that more and more, brothers and sisters, there ain't nobody perfect, but I'm saying more and more, you're, you're just handling things and treating things with care, right? More and more. And you know how the Scriptures say, do everything as unto the Lord? The flesh will get you to believe that you can do things that are not unto the Lord. But the truth is, everything is done unto the Lord. And this is why the scriptures say he's taking an account of everything, right? Because when you cuss out your neighbor, you're cussing out the Lord. Because Jesus said, what you have done to the Come on, you guys know the word. You have done unto me. He is getting us to see, slow down. I'm everywhere. I'm in everything. I'm through everything. Is all, all? Who is over all? Is all, all? In all? And living through all? Satan himself can't escape God. The psalmist said again in Psalm 139, darkness is light to you. He's everywhere. God is the only one that can handle sin and not sin. There is one, Lord. I love it. Verse 7, however, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, He led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. People would say, well, what's my gift? Right now, it's receiving. It's a gift to receive from God, amen? Amen. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lower world, lowly world. Verse 10, and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Verse 11, now these are the gifts. I love it because we got well, what's my gift? Is it singing? Is it rapping? Is it making crafts? One time I was watching a uh early on when I was like 17, 18 years old, I was watching this BET program, right? And on the program was a gospel hour, is what they called it. And so the 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 bishop or whoever he was was talking to this uh, gospel R&B singer and he said, "Well, when did you know that you were called to sing?" And the singer obviously is took that moment and began to say, yeah, I felt called. Da, 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 da. And at first I was like, yeah, because I was a rapper, right? I was like, I'm rapping. I'm doing my thing for God. The spirit of God hits me. And this is why I'm saying when you're subjected to the spirit of God, he'll take from you what you thought and change it and take it away from you and give you the truth. And he said, that is not the calling. I was like, He said, that's a talent. That is not the calling. It's not even a true gift from God. Because there's many times he says I don't want your stringed instruments. I don't want your gathering and your worshiping. Give me your heart. Amen. Right? Amen. So then he said the gift is here watch but it's crazy cuz he said that's not the call. Everyone's called to the same thing. This is what the Lord told me. I was only like 18 years old. Everyone's called to the same thing. We're called to know God. Amen. That's the calling. The calling to know God then you get a gift it's called the Holy Spirit <laughs> he's the promise guarantee and through the Spirit come many other things so you can't narrow it down to one because it's all at the sub- all at the mercy and the subject of God amen? amen now watch this I love it now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church the Apostles the prophets the evangelists and the pastors and teachers that's that's everyone that's everyone. You may not be a pastor. You may not operate in the office of a pastor, but you're going to teach. Your life is going to teach. You're going to take this truth that you know, and you're going to have to tell somebody because there's no way you can put an ember inside of you and it not burn. He's an all-consuming fire. He ha- when he gets upon you, you can't help. You can't shut up. Amen. You really can't. And you can't stop talking about Christ. matter of fact, Christians get uncomfortable with you. Like, you're too spiritual. No, you're not spiritual enough. Get more of God in you. You can't stop talking about him. <laughs> he's amazing. Amen. So you're going to teach. You're going to preach because if you've truly been saved, you got to tell somebody about Jesus. Right? So you're going to preach. The only difference between preaching and, te- and teaching is preaching is, is declaration. It's saying, you know what, this is what he's done for me. Teaching is explanation this is how he did it. It's pretty simple. So you're preaching and teaching when you get saved. Amen. Amen. I love it. I love it. I love it because now what we're about to get into is going to just lay down another layer of concrete for us. Watch this. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do what? His His work and build up the what? The church, the body of Christ. So why? And I know I'm going to say something real offensive to people who are online. They ain't going to like it. Why do we have church? churches full of unbelievers? The world is full of unbelievers. The church should be the church. And people have a hard time with that because they'll, they'll go to the extreme. Now, let me help you with the flesh and spirit here because your flesh is going to say, well, so you're saying we should never invite anybody to church? Is that what you're saying? That's the extreme. You're going to one extreme. I'm not saying that unbelievers, we were all once unbelievers. I'm not saying that unbelievers don't get invited to the church. Are you kidding me? But we would say that. Well, then how do you, how do you reach people? It's a good question. How do you reach people? Why are you looking at me? <laughs> Am I supposed to reach all of Fresno? Are we supposed to have a building big enough to where we can fit 500,000 people in it so I can preach to them? You know, some pastors would be like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> some, I like that number. No. The church should be full of spirit-filled believers predominantly. When people who are unsaved come, it's because you've already witnessed them before they got here. Or the Spirit of God told them, take a left, take a right, and gave them the address, and they showed up. Yeah, yeah. The or you almost get into a fight with them at the gym, and then you yeah. make up, and then they... <laughs> He was already a believer. For unbelievers, we should be witnessing to them everywhere we are. And by the leading of the Holy Spirit, you will have conversation that shows that they're being drawn. So you can then be used by God to teach them and preach to them and bring them. That's how it works. And then you end up together. And what do we do? Christ, 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 Christ. Take a break. Christ, 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 Christ. I mean, that's all it is. That's all it is. And you know it's true. because You know it's true because you'll go back and you'll get on Facebook and it's worldly, 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 worldly. And you know you can't minister to Facebook. You can't minister to Facebook. It doesn't work. It has to be eyeball. To eye. It has to be life on life. Text on text don't work. It didn't work when pagers came out and it doesn't work on Facebook life on life. Amen. Amen? Amen. Life on life. We have to be the church, truly. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in who? The Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I love it. I love it. You'll go places, and I'm not knocking the churches for what they try to do, but God don't need our help. God does not need our help. Paul got knocked off his horse. He went somewhere for three years Whatever he went and he got what he got and then he spent another 14 years somewhere and it wasn't like, hey, yo, enter this class, Paul, you're going to get, enter this class, Paul, you're going to, it was on the road, in life, doing the thing that he was doing and the spirit of God fell upon him and gave him revelation. That same spirit rose Jesus Christ from the dead. That same spirit is in us. 1 John chapter 2, if the anointing of God comes upon you, you will need no teacher. For the anointing will teach you all things. And people tell me, how do you speak like that? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It doesn't really matter how I speak. Think about what I'm saying. I could speak well and not say anything that glorifies Christ. But people will set up programs and classes and all these other things and make that the standard. You know why you're not close to God? You're not going to class 175. (laughs) Is it true? You know why you're not filled with the Spirit? You're not praying enough. You're not reading enough. You're not worshiping enough. No. Works, works, works. Burn them and throw them away. They will come after you experience God. The moment the Spirit of God comes upon you, you can't sin the same. That's the most important thing. Forget about what good you think you can do. You should look at the real work that's happening is that you are no longer at peace with your sin right? Now you're in that battle. You're like, man, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. And then you know what happens with these workspace things? They get your eyes off that. They say, look at what you're doing. You're an A personality. You know, you should probably be leading people. That's what, take this test. Let's use you. No. Are you convicted of your sin? You should always be having a pulse on your flesh. You shouldn't be told how good you're doing. Christ is our good news. So when you got Christ, you don't need man's affirmation. Somebody say amen to that because I don't know about you, but I lived for man's affirmation for years and all it did was make me worse because I could never get enough of it. Right? Approve, approve. God has approved us not by our merit. Oh, thank you, Lord. But by the working of Jesus Christ. The standard is Christ. It's not how hip you are. It's not how relevant you are. It's not if you know the current dances out there. If people are coming to your church or coming to your fellowship because you got good food, let me read something to you. Aaron, can you pull up that uh, scripture that you posted this morning on the band? I'm going to read you something. (laughs) Man, the devil's getting knocked this morning. I'm serious. I feel the presence of God because you know what? Ideas are being torn down and the kingdom is being exalted, lifted up. It's true because Aaron, you know which one I'm talking about? So Aaron posted this, and we make everything else the standard, right? We make everything else the standard. We make everything else work. I have to go to church, check. I need need my favorite coffee, right? Got to talk to so-and-so because we talk every single, all this work, and we make it something it's not. You want to know the work we're supposed to do? What scripture is it? I'm gonna read it to you. John six, twenty six through thirty nine. And what time is it? Twenty-six through twenty nine. What time is it? Uh, right. He's like, don't read that much. John six, twenty six through twenty-nine? Watch this. And these are the words of Christ. This is the same Christ who said, Don't let anybody call you rabbi, don't let anybody call you teacher because you only have one teacher, the Messiah. So you could operate in the office of a teacher without desiring to be seen as one. That's how this works. Amen. This is the same Lord. Now watch what he says about work. Jesus replied, "I tell you the truth, you want to be me, you want to be with me because I fed you." And he was talking about the 5,000. He was talking about loaves and fishes. You guys keep following me around everywhere because I give you the best of fish. That's what they do at the churches when they serve the good tri-tips. They come for the tri-tip. They come for the raffle. I know it's hard. I know this is hard but it's the truth. They come for the people. They come because they're getting fed, but they're not getting fed eternal truth. Many of them are not getting fed eternal truth. Watch what he says. I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Just don't be so concerned with perishable things like food. If you quote Jesus today, they're going to say you're nuts. They're going to be like, you're just trying too hard. No, the scriptures are trying hard. They're trying hard to get my attention. The Lord is working on me, right? Look at what he says. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you for God the Father has given me the seal of approval. They replied, wait, where is it at, Aaron? Yeah, okay. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And don't you notice that we do that? Okay, I get it. I got saved. I'm filled. Now, what do I do? (laughs) How do I get involved, right? Like, I want to be involved. And you know, churches, they'll make things for you. (laughs) They'll make a janitorial team, and you're the leader of it. You gotta. I mean, they will make things for you to make you feel connected. It's crazy. You won't even do that in your own house. You slap your spouse. They call a janitorial team, and you're the leader of it. But they'll make things for you, and you'll do it because you're so hungry and eager, and God bless you, those of us that have fallen into that, and those who are there, God bless you because God's mercy is good, but look at what the Lord has to say. Look at what the Lord has to say. I'm about to knock this thing over. Look. Jesus told them, because they said, we want, we want to perform God's work too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one who is sent. You know why? Because it takes everything to be a believer. It takes everything to stay surrendered. It, it takes everything to give your life to God. It's going to take the rest of your life. And so we see that when when we're we're walking through this standard of Christ, it's different because it's not systems and processes. It's the very fuel that moves everything, right? And we lose sight of him when we're handling what's perishing. Let me finish reading. Then we will no longer be immature like children. People, People stay immature because... They no longer focus on Christ and dying to themselves and living in the Lord. Instead, they're just giving high fives and badges. And, you know, believe it or not, some places, some of, some of these uh, organizations give away medals. Like, because you gave up Facebook for a week and they give you a medal. Boy, if that ain't man's affirmation. If that medal don't heal, some, like, some, heal my sickness or something, I mean, give me a cloth or something that's going to really do something. But it's the wrong thing. He's saying that's immaturity we need to come up out of that our own what true maturity is doesn't even belong to us you know it's the, it's the it's the full sufficiency of Christ he is maturity him and he's just bringing us to himself over and over and over again amen we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth I don't know about you but When I came to the truth, I was really mad for a minute that I believed so many lies. One of the biggest lies that I believed for a long time is that pastors and leaders had the right, and this is going to sound, I'm going to be vulnerable because it might sound like I'm speaking from a pain, but I'm not. I'm not. But I have to speak on it because it's true. I thought they had an authority to tell and do me tell me to do whatever and I had to do it I thought for sure that if I was a pastor all I had to do was say you know what pick up that chair and if they didn't they're insubordinate they are rebellious it's because they're not submitting and people go through that that's a real issue a serious issue and we never see Jesus doing this we never see the apostles doing this we see stern correction uh, but we see a, a men that served, that laid their lives down, that traveled, that had nowhere to lay their head at times, that really did go the extra mile, right, to earn a place in somebody's life. To even say anything harsh, they they didn't just stand up and say, "Because I have authority, you have to submit." It's a very slippery slope, and many people fall under abuse there. Am I lying? I'm lying. (laughs) I'm not lying. (laughs) Dad. Turn it up, Dad. Turn the (laughs) But is it true? Have you ever dealt with that? Has anybody ever dealt with any type of spiritual, like, leader try to dominate? Right? It happens. But you know about it, right? You know? So it happens. It happens. and And listen, we pray for them. We pray for them because they don't know what they're doing. But true leaders lay their lives down. Amen. They do. And the reason that happens is because Christ is present. So even when people see a leader, they don't see the leader. They see Christ. And that's how it should be. Christ turned upon this Pilate, and he said, you have no authority other than what's given to you from heaven. But you know he didn't take himself down off the cross, did he? Many times... Pastors won't take themselves down from their title. They, they stay up there, right? But not in the same way as Jesus. They make it seem righteous, like I'm serving. It's not true. They need to take themselves down from there. There's only one that deserves that kind of lifting up, and it's Christ. He was exalted into shame for he was humiliated publicly, and he did it so that way we could, what, parade around? Our Lord died so we could be free. He gave us the spirit so we can know the calling or the anointing on people's lives. And nobody who's walking in that needs to prove it to anyone. God will affirm you. Amen? God will affirm you. Man, I feel the presence of the Lord. I feel like I just spoke on something that's really unsettling for someone here. Um... I want to pray for that before I, before I close. Man. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. He is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. <sighs> hmm. Let me explain something. When Jesus got down, he knelt down and he washed their feet. He said, hey, let me have your feet. Right? If I really did that to you, you know you wouldn't do it. You'd be like, get away from me, bro. <laughs> right? You'd be like, no. Especially right now. It's hot outside. I don't know. It's like <laughs> Rochambeau. I don't know who's got stinky feet or not you got saddles so, so that's, <laughs> All right so anyways if i was to really do that you'd you'd feel like no right no that'd be foolish like get away from me man you just no but jesus was like there's no one greater than their master it had to be fulfilled christ had to do that you know i don't i've i've had those foot washing uh things they do sometimes and there's only been one that was really meaningful to me that was authentic but we can't duplicate what's true you know it's it's either it's true or it's not right and if i were to do that it'd be it would be a spectacle it's something you don't see all the time because you wash your own feet you take care of yourself and what jesus was showing through that demonstration is that you know i'm taking care of something right I'm taking care of something that's the, the filthiest, it's the lowest. It's is, You probably don't want me touching it, and especially back in those times, they didn't have nice shoes like we do. Right? We trip out, we get a scuff on them. I mean, they were walking through camel dung and everything else. You don't know what they were t- taking inside. And Jesus gets down, and he's basically through that act of washing their feet, he's showing what he's doing on the cross. He's like, your life has been riddled with sin. Your neighbor's life has been riddled with sin. And I am coming to wash the sin away. When that sin gets washed away in your life, you don't get to, you're, you you do not get to parade it, is what I'm saying. We don't, now I'm anointed because God saved me, and I'm, and I'm a leader now, and now I'm leading people. It doesn't work that way. As a leader, your goal is to show people how filthy they really are. So Jesus can wash them.